to Psalm 30, uh, 23 uh, that surely the goodness and mercy of God pursues us. God's goodness is running after us and he won't stop until he catches us and keeps us in his amazing grip. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We're continuing our study in the Sermon on the Mount uh, for the last several weeks. We have been looking at this sermon preached by Jesus to his disciples. And the first part of the sermon has been an orthodoxy that Jesus gave good teaching, right teaching. Uh, we learned that it was good to be poor in spirit. Uh, spiritual poverty produces a promise of deliverance in Jesus Christ. We learned that. We learned that we come to God not out of our assets, but out of our need. And because of his amazing grace, he meets our need in Jesus Christ. We learned blessed are those who mourn. And mourning because we realize we're spiritually poor and we have the promise of being comforted, met with strength by Jesus Christ. We learned also blessed are the meek. We're having an attitude of meekness means we are lions when standing for Christ and lambs when defending ourselves. And there's a promise of inheriting the earth, hungering and thirsting after righteousness and the promise of satisfaction. When Jesus says, if you hunger and thirst after the righteousness, you will be filled. You will be filled. And then, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Recipients of mercy give mercy, uh, and they will receive mercy. Uh, I'm going to stop at that beatitude, because it's that, that beatitude that our text is actually the opposite of giving mercy. The opposite of giving mercy is giving judgment. Uh, condemnatory. Now, that's a word I just made up, so you can write that down and put it in your lexicon. Condemnatory uh, judgment. Uh, the latter part of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're in the latter parts of the Sermon on the Mount, deals with orthopraxy, the right practice. How do we now live in faith, in the, in the face of God, in front of God's grace? Because we are kingdom participants. We're members of Christ's kingdom. What does that mean in the way that we live our lives? Well, we're going to talk about judging. We'll do that tonight. We're going to talk about asking for things. How do we ask God for things correctly? Is there a correct way of asking? Is there an attitude toward our asking. Um, what, what, what are we to think about God when we ask? He, he'll tell, tell us all about that. How we treat each other, making right decisions. We'll talk about that. Recognizing counterfeit preachers and teachers. We'll talk about that. And then establishing a firm foundation. And that's one of my favorite. I hope whoever preaches that sings that song uh, that uh, I learned as a child. The wise man built his house upon a rock, and the foolish man built his house upon a There are hand movements to that. Don't let whoever preaches that get away with preaching without that. John, please do not assign that to me. Where are you, John? 
<laughs> I thought about that. Tonight, we're going to consider judging others. Uh, I want to remind you, before we get to this text, that this, this whole sermon was written to disciples. And a disciple was a person who committed his life to follow a teacher, in this case, Jesus Christ, and to pattern his life after that teaching. And so when we commit to transferring our allegiance from, our, from ourselves over to Christ, we commit ourselves to a full life of taking for ourselves Christ's priorities. What's a priority to Christ becomes a priority for ourselves. And our text helps us understand that. If you have your Bibles open, please read, follow along silently as I read Matthew chapter 7. If you're using the Bible provided for the church, it's on page uh, 965. Looking at verse 1, the Bible says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice a log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before the pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. This is the reading of God's holy word. Incidentally, you know on Sunday morning when... Um, we say, this is the word of God, and we repeat. You know why we do that? This is God's word. He speaks to us. Whenever God's word is read, he is talking to us. And at the end of it, we acknowledge by saying, this is not the word of the preacher. This is the word of God. And we have the opportunity together to say to God, thank you for talking to us. So I'm going to say, this is the word of God. And then I'm going to invite you to offer as a praise to God, thank you for talking to us by saying, thanks be to you, O God. Okay, ready? This is the word of God. Thanks be to you, O God. That's the attitude. I love that. <laughs> when I hear that on Sunday morning, that's the attitude. All right, let's pray. Father, your word tells us that in the past you spoke through prophets, but in these last days, you have spoken to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Son has just spoken to us. Matthew has recorded his words, and we heard them. I pray that as I preach, I do not silence the words of Christ. Speak to us, O God. Open our eyes and allow us to see wonderful truth in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to talk about judge and be judged. I'm going to talk about uh, an obvious uh, um, example of um, revealing, revealing the ridiculous, and then I'll conclude um, with a couple of comments. Judged 
and be judged. Look at verse seven, uh, verse one of chapter seven again. Judge not that you be not judged. It's hard not to judge people, isn't it? It's hard not to set ourselves up as arbiters of what's right uh, when we see uh, wrong in the world. Uh, there, there was a recent event in the news that is so distressing that it's hard to even think about or talk about. And it's even harder not to judge the people who have been involved in it. I'm thinking of Tyree Nichols. I'm thinking of the, uh, that horrible event in, in Memphis. And it, it's so easy to put yourselves in a position where you judge the officers and you judge the paramedics and, and you, you condemn them for their actions and yet God calls us. Don't put yourselves in the position where you set yourselves up as judges. Let me first tell you what this doesn't mean. Uh, have you ever heard somebody say this? You can't judge me. The Bible says don't judge. Usually when we say this, we say this because our sins have been pointed out. Uh, uh, we, we've been uh, confronted with something in our lives that's, that does not conform to biblical truth. And some faithful Christian has pointed that out. And they've said, uh, sometimes well, and sometimes not that well, but they've said, what you're doing in your life right now does not line up to biblical standards. And we respond by saying, don't judge me. Well, that's not what this means. Uh, that is a form of judgment, but that's not the judgment in this text. And I'll explain the judgment in this text in a little bit. Uh, um, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that the church is supposed to judge one another. We are supposed to hold each other up to a standard of righteousness. But that judgment is not one of condemnation. That judgment is moving people to biblical conformity. It is challenging others to live lives in the way that shows forth the glory of God. Uh, there are times when we ought to be. Uh, I, just, I was listening to Pastor uh, Heron, Dr. Heron, just a few moments ago. He was talking about uh, our elders. Uh, they are to rebuke us. They are to uh, preach the word in season and out of season. They are to reprove, rebuke, and I think it's restore. All of those things combine some form of judgment. We are supposed to hold each other up to biblical standards of truth. That's not what this text is talking about. Let me tell you what this text is talking about. One of the things you can do when, you, when you're trying to figure out how a biblical author is using a word, look at how often he uses that word throughout his book, and you will discover that Matthew uses judgment most of the time, and here he's using it in this sense, to refer to the judgment of God in the end time. That God will justify the righteous. He is both just and the justifier of the righteous. He will justify the righteous uh, at, the, at the end of uh, our earthly history, this side of eternity, when Christ comes back, he will reward those who long for his return. Those of us who uh, rely on the finished work of Jesus, 
uh, he will come and justify us. Uh, we have the righteousness of Christ now, but we struggle with sin. And when Christ comes back, uh, we will be justified fully uh, and completely. Um, and we look forward to that. But he's also the just. And he will condemn those who are not following him. Uh, he will condemn those who are uh, called the sons and daughters of disobedience. And that's an eternal condemnation. That's the type of judgment that Matthew was talking about here. He's saying, don't put yourselves in the place where you're condemning others. Don't stand as the final judge, because God is the final judge. And so what he does next, he gives a picture of the ridiculous. I call this a picture of the ridiculous. Look at verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? I wear contacts. And every once in a while, whenever I, I put my contacts in, um, if I don't wash my hands, well, I do wash my hands. After I wash my hands, if I, if I use a towel um, and I'm not careful and I get a little... Um, fuzz on the towel and I put it in my eye uh, it hurts it hurts doesn't it <laughs> it hurts uh, and what I, what I um, try to do is I look in the mirror and I try to see the speck the little piece of dust in my eye and normally I can't see it I have to take the uh, contact out and look at it with my glasses to see the speck. Now, here's the ridiculous part. Um, if I had a log protruding from my eye, how can I see the speck that's in somebody else's eye? We're supposed to listen to this and go, that's ridiculous. And it's as if the Lord is saying, yes. Because it's ridiculous when we set ourselves up as the arbiters of truth and the ones who condemn without the uh, possibility of repentance, we're doing that. And Jesus says, don't do that. Now, I wonder if I can have a child come up and uh, demonstrate this. Is there someone brave enough to come on up, up here? I'm not going to uh, embarrass you. Come on. We turn this on. I promise I won't embarrass you. Okay, all right. What are your parents' name? Scott and Aaron Kirchhoff. Okay, Scott is your dad, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, you see him? Okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to hold this. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you, hold this. I'm going to ask Scott to um, hold up his hand and you count the fingers, okay? Scott, could you... Uh, where you are in a moment, hold up your hands and um, show a certain amount of fingers and your son will count them. You can see him? Okay, step back a little bit. Now don't move. You ready? 
Put the mic right there. Scott, hold up your hand. <laughs> All right, everybody see it? Okay, nothing. Okay, what's the number? Five. <laughs> he said five. <laughs> well, that's it. That's great. He guessed, but it wasn't five. Good job. Go ahead, sit down. <laughs> Give it. I just realized I don't know what I would have done if he gave the right number. <laughs> But that's ridiculous, isn't it? There's no way this. What's your first name? Taylor. There's no way Taylor could have seen around this. <laughs> And if I if I were to say to him, I I want you to see clearly. The sin of somebody else, you'd say to me, "Ken, that's not fair," because it doesn't make sense. And what God is trying to do in this passage is to tell us it doesn't make sense to put ourselves in a place where we say we are sinless, like God, and able to judge when we have this sin debt that was taken by Christ. But it wasn't his; it was ours. And and while we try our best to see Jill, I want to see the speck in your eye. I try my best; I can't because it's a log out of my own eye. And so what Jesus is saying here is this: Don't set yourself up to be a hypocrite. Be authentic. Be authentic. First, take the log out of your eye. Take the log out of your eye first, and then you can notice the speck in your brother's eye. Have you ever noticed why speck and why log? Think about that for a second. What is God saying here? Why speck and why log? Jesus continues to say this. Look, look at verse two. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Now, let me tell you what this is not. There is a um, an Eastern uh, philosophy called karma. Uh, what goes around comes around, and you, you have to be careful. This is not. Jesus is not. Proposing that, he's actually repeating something that he said in chapter five. It's a similar word. Remember this: uh, we we pray this prayer every Sunday morning. Um, Our Father who art in heaven, say it with me: Hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. As did you say as? As you know what that means? It means that I am to forgive others the same way that Christ has forgiven me. Now in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus gives a vivid description of what it means to forgive, and then at the end of that, he repeats this phrase: "You are to forgive." Because Christ has forgiven you, and in that example, he said, 
that the servant who, was, who owed a small, a, a huge amount before the king, an insurmountable amount, was forgiven. And this other servant who owed him, if you do the math, and I did the math, and I'm not a mathematician, but trust me, it's about $800. He owed him $800, and he would not forgive him. He owed millions to the king and would not forgive. Speck, log. Speck, log. And what God is saying here is, take correct assessment of your life. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't set yourself up to be the judge because you're not qualified. Before you can judge like me, take the log out of your eye, revealing the ridiculous. And then he, uh, he also reveals something else. Would you flip over to Luke chapter 6? Luke chapter 6 is a parallel passage. Luke also describes the Sermon on the Mount, but he does it a little differently than Matthew. But the, in this section, he reveals what Jesus is also talking about. Not only is he talking about uh, being sincere and authentic in the way that we uh, see ourselves, but he's also guarding us against spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. Look at verse 39. Uh, Luke 6, verse 39. Jesus uh, said, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into the pit? Now look at verse 47. I mean, at 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. We're not there yet, but we will be. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Does that sound familiar? What Jesus is warning against is spiritual blindness. Don't be spiritually blind. See yourself as the Lord sees you. Don't allow spiritual blindness uh, mark out or blot out uh, the realization of our own sin while we concentrate on others' sins. Now, does this make sense? Have you, have you ever met someone who is so critical of other people um, that uh, they, are, they condemn other people? And, and what they say is often condemnatory and not restorative. Uh, that's what this is talking about. It's a, don't do that. And, and when I find myself doing that, I, I am called to the point of saying, uh, don't fall into that pattern. Now, back in Matthew chapter 7, uh, Christ warns in verse 5, he actually calls them hypocrites. You hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? Well, in English, a hypocrite is one who deliberately and as a habit professes to be good when he is aware that he is not. Uh, a hypocrite in classical Greek 
uh, referred to a play actor, someone playing a part. Don't be a hypocrite. Earlier in Matthew, he said, don't be a hypocrite in your giving, in Matthew 6. Don't be a hypocrite in your prayer life, in Matthew 6, 5. In Matthew 6, 16, don't be a hypocrite in fasting. And now he uses it a fourth time here. Don't be a hypocrite in your judging. Don't pretend you're one way and God knows you're something else. So here's the concluding comment. Look at verse 6. It seems out of place, but it's not. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot, the pigs, that's what he's talking about, and turn to attack you, the dogs. That's what he's talking about. So let me just explain. In, in the writing of this uh, text in um, Palestine in the first century, uh, wild dogs roamed the street. And they were ravenous dogs. They were mean dogs. They uh, ate garbage. They had a purpose in Palestine. They ate the garbage, but you wouldn't want to come back, oh, nice poochie poochie, nice little dog. You wouldn't want to do that because they would attack you. No one went up to a ravenous wild dog. It made sense. Uh, so what is holy? What belongs to God in this text? Matthew tells us that judgment belongs to God. And so he's telling us, don't take what's holy, judgment, and give it to the dogs. Because they will just destroy it. And they will turn and attack you. Pigs were domestic animals. Uh, uh, Gentiles would raise them, and they would um, feed them and make them fat so that we can have bacon and eggs. I mean, so, so that they can be sold into the market and we can have ham and such. But the pigs would trample pearls under their feet. They wouldn't take what was precious and guard it. They, they'd look at it and say, that, that's not food. I can't eat that. And they'd root around, they'd crush it down, and they'd eat the slop that they would normally eat. And so Jesus says, don't take what's precious. What's precious? The trust of judgment is precious. Don't give it to the pigs. So what is he saying here? Now, I hope I don't offend you. So, I'll, I'll say me. Don't give what's holy to this dog. Don't give what's holy to this pig. Because what's holy, I will not use appropriately. Leave what's holy to God. Leave it to him. And... I'll admit to you, brothers and sisters, that's easier said than done. 
when you're frustrated and angered by injustice. So what do we do with this? If I were to uh, give advice, which I, you didn't ask for, but I'll give it to you anyway. Here it is. When we're faced with the temptation of putting ourselves where we do not belong, because we're frustrated and we want to judge, we want to condemn, we want right, and God is taking too long, in our opinion. We step back and we give what is holy back to God. And we say, God, you handle this. And I concentrate on two things. My trust in you to handle this. And my looking forward to the time where you will be the just one and the justifier. Because you're paying attention and you will make things right and I'm going to trust you with that. We're going to close by singing, We Will Feast in the House of Zion. And I don't know if, if um, this song was chosen for this purpose, but I'm going to say it was. Um, we're singing this song on purpose with this in mind. Rather than concentrating on grabbing something that doesn't belong to us, fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith and concentrate on the fact that we will one day feast in the house of Zion. I met with a friend this week who uh, reminded me, live today for that day. Live today for the day that we feast in the house of Zion. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for calling us into a position whereby we will never face your judgment because it was placed on Jesus Christ on our behalf, and we thank you for that. We thank you that when the judge comes, as it relates to us, he will be the justifier. And we pray that you would guard us against living hypocritically before you and others. Help us to realize that you take seriously how we interact with one another and give us trust in your sovereignty when we are tempted to take what is holy for our own use. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.